Welcome to Rams Up, your weekly L.A. Rams podcast, bi-weekly during the season. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We'll cover other SoCal sports items of interest, but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Back Ram fans to Rams Up, your LA Rams podcast. Just some program notes here. We are hoping to have a crossover episode with representatives of our NFC West rivals in the coming weeks, hopefully as early as next week. And we're also going to have a really cool pre-draft roundtable with three or four folks discussing what the Rams should get done in the draft. That'll be the week or two before the actual draft. This episode, things have been kind of quiet on the free agency front, but we'll get you caught up. Got some random news and notes, of course. And we've also got another round of who's pumped, who's pissed, and who's perplexed. Looking at other fan bases and how they feel about their teams after the first wave of free agency. And with Ram fans kind of stressing out about all the free agents that we have been losing this offseason... Thought it would be a good time to take a look back. Have the Rams made the right decisions over the years deciding who to let walk and who to keep? I'm going to take a look at that, see if I can make you all feel a little bit better about the Rams losing free agents and trading some good players away as well. Think of it as a little trip down memory lane. And we're also bringing back our fearsome four questions this week. And tacked on to the end of that, a little minor rant of mine regarding something that happened during the NCAA basketball tournament. Speaking of the tournament, the Bruins knocked out really hard to get by a good team when one of their players just starts nailing threes from all over the court. That's basically what happened to them in that game against North Carolina. Still love that Bruin team. I love Mick Cronin. Really enjoy watching that team play, and such a classy team. I think we're going to be seeing them in the Sweet 16 and beyond on a pretty regular basis moving forward. Free agency update. Some of this may have been captured already, but I'll revisit nonetheless. Bobby Wagner visited the Rams. He's also visiting the Ravens. Some thinking that he's just using the Ravens as leverage to get a good contract from the Rams. John Johnson, our old buddy now with the Browns, he's apparently trying to lure OBJ back to Cleveland. See if that happens. Matt Ryan traded to the Colts. Colts trying to pull off a Matthew Stafford-type turnaround for their franchise. And Tyreek Hill sent to the Dolphins. So that'll be a slightly different Chiefs team next year without Tyreek Hill. There's still going to be a dynamic offense, though. Duke Johnson, an under-the-radar signing. He goes to the Bills. I've always liked him. Micah Kaiser, no longer with the Broncos. He has signed with the Raiders. And the number one free agent on some people's boards, Teron Armstead, also signing with the Dolphins. So the Dolphins might be one of the more improved teams in the league, adding a great offensive tackle, Tyreek Hill. They've also signed Raheem Mostert, the running back from San Francisco. It's going to be all about their quarterback. Quick look at what the Rams have done. The only thing since last week is they tendered John Wolford, so he will be back as the backup quarterback. 
So the remaining free agents as of Sunday afternoon, Dante Dion, Sony Michelle, OBJ, Jamel Demby, Buddy Howell, and Troy Reader. And in my book, their obvious needs, well, they need a punter. They need a cornerback. Now, I'm not sure if they need a starter or just need to add depth. It depends on how they feel about David Long and Robert Rochelle. Same can be said about inside linebacker. Do they need a starter or do they need to add depth? Depends on how they feel about Treven Howard. And offensive line, I'm not sure who their starting right guard is. We'll get into that in our fearsome four questions, actually. But I think they need to add some bodies, possibly a starter. Again, depends on how they feel about Bobby Evans and Coleman Shelton. But regardless, they need to add some depth, I think. And we're going to revisit the Rams Next week's episode will be the crossover episode. We may be able to fit in a segment readdressing what the Rams need, or that may wait until the following week. We'll see how things go. You know, one of the things that has Ram fans concerned is the loss of Von Miller, concerns about how do we replace him. And I did some research on this, and I think what I found may make Ram fans feel a little bit better. Now, I'm not saying Von Miller wasn't an important player. I think he was a key addition that helped us get over the hump and win the Super Bowl. But I I think we may have the guys in-house to get after opposing quarterbacks in 2022. And if you think about it, when the Rams signed Von Miller at the time, I thought, you know what? Our pass rush is already pretty darn good, but we'll take him. So I went back and looked at some stats The first nine games without Von Miller, the Rams had 25 sacks. The next nine games that takes us through the first playoff game, the Rams had a slight uptick, 28 sacks. So they had three more sacks over those second group of nine games. But let's look a little bit deeper. In those first nine games, Oko had two sacks. Terrell Lewis had two sacks. And Justin Hollins had two sacks. They combined for six sacks. How many did they have in the next nine games? Zero. How many did Von Miller have in those next nine games? Six. So Oko, Lewis, and Hollins combined for six sacks. Von Miller replaced them, essentially, in the sack stat column and had the same number of sacks. In those first nine games, Leonard Floyd, he got off to a terrific start. Seven and a half sacks. How many sacks did he have after Miller joined over those second group of nine games? Two sacks. So our outside linebacker edge rushers accounted for 13 and a half sacks of those first nine games. That's Oko, Lewis, Hollins, and Floyd. Over those second nine games, that dropped to eight sacks among our outside linebacker and edge rushers. All of the sacks coming from Von Miller and Leonard Floyd. The uptick in that second half of the season was really due to Troy Reader and Ashawn Robinson getting a couple sacks apiece. Aaron Donald picked it up a little bit. I mean, Von Miller probably had a lot to do with that. I get it. But it was really startling to me to see that Oko, Lewis, and Hollins had six sacks over those nine games and zero after Miller joined the team. So maybe it's not as bad as we think, losing Von Miller. All I'm really getting at here is we had a really good pass rush before Von Miller arrived. 
We had an even better pass rush after he got here. And without Von Miller, I think we're still going to have a pretty darn good pass rush. The NFL season is behind us, but time for some college basketball fun. College basketball fans, join the action on the court during the biggest tournament of the year with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or over, restrictions apply. See our show notes for details. With the 2022 draft coming up and the annual talk about how the Rams have no picks despite the fact that they have eight, I started looking back at some of our recent drafts to see how we did. And in some of those years, we were in a very similar situation. My special assistant pointed me towards the 2018 draft because a lot of the players the Rams picked in that draft are doing quite well. They're up for new contracts and many of them are getting paid. That was a draft where the Rams did not have a first or second round pick. They had traded away the first round pick for Brandon Cooks, and they had traded away the second round pick for Sammy Watkins, the Rams doing what the Rams do. So they go into that draft without those two picks. They come out of the draft with 11 players. Now, they did not get any superstars out of this draft. Nobody making the Hall of Fame or any Pro Bowls, but still... Of these 11 guys, 10 of them are still playing in the NFL, and a few of them have really made their mark. Top of the list is John Franklin Myers. He just signed a four-year contract with the Jets for $55 million. He was the fourth-round pick by the Rams that year. Rams waived him after one year. Probably one of the bigger mistakes that the Rams have made, actually. Gave up on him way too early. He's been a very good player for the Jets. The Rams drafted two offensive linemen in the third round that year, Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom, and they both just signed their second contracts. Allen getting $18 million, Noteboom $40 million, and they are forming two-fifths of the Rams' new offensive line. In the sixth round, the Rams drafted Sebastian Joseph Day. He just signed a three-year, $24 million contract with the Chargers. We all know what Sebastian Joseph Day can do. He was hurt last year, but he's a solid defensive lineman. Two linebackers in the fifth round, Micah Kaiser and Oko. Kaiser picked up by the Broncos, became a free agent. He just signed with the Raiders. And Oko just signed a $3.2 million one-year contract with the Texans. Two more six-round picks. John Kelly, the running back. Jamil Demby, the offensive lineman with the Rams last year, currently a free agent. Kelly is still with the Browns. So they're hanging on to their NFL careers at this point. Two seventh-round picks. Trevin Howard. He had the big interception against the 49ers. 
I think he has a bright future, a seventh round pick. And Justin Lawler just signed a $825,000 one-year contract with the Titans. So 11 guys drafted, 10 of them still in the NFL, the exception Trevon Young taken in the sixth round. He was the one that would have went much higher, but he suffered that injury in his final season in college and was never able to make a go of it with Rams. But this is the type of things Les Snead does that is so overlooked. Yeah, it would have been nice to get a superstar out of this group, but drafting in the third through the seventh round, 11 players, 10 of them still making their mark in the NFL, four of them still on the Rams roster. With all the guests we've had over the last three episodes, I have not talked enough about the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman is indeed a Dodger now, and that lineup looking really potent. I'm not sure how much it's going to hurt to not have Corey Seager, one of their more consistent producers on offense, but but remember they have Trey Turner batting from the right side now and Freddie Freeman batting from the left. So I think one thing the Dodgers have done has gotten better from their right-hand side of the plate with Turner instead of Seager. And remember, they have Gavin Lux as well. One thing I think they've... one one They'll probably put Chris Taylor at second base now with Trey Turner at short, so two right-handed batters in the middle of the infield. Freddie Freeman at first base providing some power and consistency. Will Smith's a right-handed batter as well. So their lineup might look something like this. Mookie Betts leading off Trey Turner. Right-handed batter at shortstop. Freeman, the left-hander at first base. Will Smith batting cleanup, perhaps. The catcher from the right side, followed by Max Muncie. You want some pop in that number five spot. You get it with Muncie. Number six, Justin Turner from the right-hand side, a third baseman. Now you could flip Smith and Turner. I get it. Turner could end up being the cleanup hitter. After Turner, you have Cody Bellinger from the left-hand side, Chris Taylor, second base from the right-hand side, and A.J. Pollock, the designated hitter. Remember, 162 games with the designated hitter this year, and that's in the Dodgers' favor, I think. Bellinger could actually end up dropping. Probably depends on if you're facing a left-handed or right-handed pitcher against a left-hander. I would assume he would be at the bottom of the lineup. Taylor and Pollock moving up a spot each. But pretty darn good lineup. Pretty exciting time to be a Dodger fan. They've got some work to do on that pitching staff. Longtime reliever Kenley Jansen has moved on to the Braves. Personally, I have found it pretty stressful watching Jansen trying to close out games over the last couple years. And, of course, the future of Trevor Bauer still in doubt. But they'll figure it out, as they always do. And I also wanted to mention, a lot of you probably didn't know this. I didn't. The only reason I knew Los Angeles has a new women's soccer team, Angel City Football Club, is because they got bumped from their practice facility because of the Rams' playoff run. Angel City Football Club will be playing in the National Women's Soccer League. They have a powerhouse group of owners, including Becky G., Natalie Portman, Eva Longoria, Mia Hamm, Serena Williams, Jessica Chastain, and America Ferreira, just to mention a few. 
So they were supposed to practice at CLC, getting ready for their inaugural season, but the Rams threw a wrench into that. And poor Angel City Football Club, they had to move to Pepperdine. That's quite a booby prize going from Thousand Oaks to Malibu. But So welcome to the latest and newest professional football team in Los Angeles. Be back in a minute. We still have coming up our Who's Pissed, Who's Pumped, and Who's Perplexed segment, as well as a look back at all of the free agent losses the Rams have had over the years and players they have traded away, an assessment of how Les Snead has done in that regard. Well, it's that time of year again, folks, that time of year when the Rams let players walk, the Rams let players leave via free agency. It's kind of their model, as we know, results in comp picks coming back to them. Still kind of painful to see guys like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Corbett leave, guys that have been contributors to this team's success. Vaughn Miller signing that giant contract with the Bills. Darius Williams leaving for the Jags. Oko leaving for the Texans, Johnny Hecker released, and not a free agency loss, but Robert Woods traded to the Titans, a guy that we thought would be a Ram forever. And I'm sure there will be more. But I think this next segment I have will make you feel a little bit better. The Rams have been terrific at identifying which players they should let walk. Historically, they have a great track record. Guys leave their team. And their performance kind of falls off, or it certainly doesn't match expectations. Now, I'm not wishing Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Corbett and these other guys perform poorly moving on. I'm just saying Rams usually make the right call on these. And I'm going to give you some examples here. I'm going to give you a lot of examples. And and some of these guys are actually traded away. But same thing, Rams are pretty good at deciding who to part ways with. First guy I want to mention is Tremaine Johnson, the cornerback. Played six years for the St. Louis and L.A. Rams. Played his last year with the Rams under the franchise tag. Remember, he's the one that had that big dust-up with Des Bryant in training camp and then had a big battle with him on the field and that big win the Rams had at Dallas. Well, he left as a free agent, signed with the Jets. His first year there was okay. He only played in 10 games at four interceptions, but his tackles and passes defended were down. He played seven more games in 2019, got signed briefly by Carolina, never got on the field, and now he's out of the league. So I think the Rams made the right call there, not giving him big money to stay. And more recently, Malcolm Brown, like Tremaine, played six years for the Rams, came on board as an undrafted free agent, With the Dolphins last year, he played in seven games, 33 rushes, 125 yards, and one TD. His longest run was six yards. He was placed on injured reserve on October 26th, and I love Malcolm Brown. I thought we could have used him at times this year, actually. But again, I think the Rams made the right call here. And what about Corey Littleton? An undrafted free agent with the Rams, Performed at a Pro Bowl level. Since joining the Raiders, his tackle count has dropped. He has struggled in pass coverage. 
and now he's been cut. Troy Hill signed with the Browns in 2021, played in 12 games with four starts, one pass defended. What about John Johnson? He also signed with the Browns, played in 15 games, started all of them, finished there with three interceptions and 61 tackles, but he had 105 tackles in his last year with the Rams. Dante Fowler had 11 and a half sacks in his last season for the Rams, seven and a half sacks in the two years since. Austin Blythe left for the Chiefs, wanted to get back to the Midwest, took just four snaps for the Chiefs last year, and already moving on, this time to Seattle. Josh Reynolds, 52 catches for 618 yards and two touchdowns in his last season for the Rams, 29 catches for 396 yards and two TDs with the Titans and Lions. And and actually, it's not fair to Josh Reynolds. He never really got his chance with the Rams. He had to move on to find his opportunities, and he bounced around with two teams. I think he's a good receiver, and he's a guy maybe we should have kept, but there just wasn't room for his skill set on this roster. Samson Ekuban, I think he left the Rams because he wanted more playing time, a better opportunity. His production with the Niners was almost exactly like it was in his last year with the Rams. Four and a half sacks both years. He went from 31 tackles to 38 tackles with the Niners. And I don't think he was missed by the Rams at all. Good player, though. Morgan Fox. Six and a half sacks with the Rams. One and a half sacks with the Panthers. I think he benefited from playing alongside Aaron Donald. No question about that. And he has just been released by the Panthers. LaMarcus Joyner went to the Raiders and then the Jets, hasn't had an interception since he left the Rams three years ago. He played in only one game this past season after suffering an elbow injury in game one. Sammy Watkins, eight TDs in his one year with the Rams, nine TDs in the four years since. Now the remaining guys, I wouldn't say have necessarily flourished. A couple of them have, but they've all done well since moving on. Not sure how much the Rams have missed them, though. Gerald Everett, his production increased slightly with the Seahawks, getting out of the shadow of Tyler Higby, but I would have thought he would have had more than 48 catches for 474 yards and two TDs. Roger Saffold, he's had a great career with the Titans since leaving. Titans just released him, however, saving $10 million on their salary cap and he has signed with the Bills already. He's had a good career. Remember, Saffold was signed by the Raiders, but then remember the Raiders backed out over a physical that Roger took, and the Rams snatched him back up. Good career since leaving. He's a guy that, I don't know, at the right price, I think the Rams would have done well to keep him. Michael Brockers, steady as she goes, 52 tackles with the Lions, about what you've seen from him over his whole career. I think he's still performing at a high level. But again, the Rams are pretty well stocked on the defensive line. Maybe hurt them depth-wise with Sebastian Joseph Day going down with the injury this past season and now leaving. But no question, Brockers had a decent season with the Lions. One guy that has really performed well since leaving the Rams, and the Rams actually traded him, Brandon Cooks. He has really produced. Rams parted ways due to his salary and 
his injury concerns with concussions, but man, he has had some good seasons with the Texans. Two years, 171 catches, almost 2,200 yards, and 12 TDs. Would the Rams have been wise to keep him at the right price? I think so. And two guys I'll mention that at the end here, Greg the Leg and Jake McQuaid. They both left together to go to Dallas. Long snapper. I don't think the Rams have missed that. Hasn't been an issue since McQuaid left. There are times where I wish we had Greg on board still, though. There are some nervous games over the last two years until Matt Gay settled that position down. We were spoiled by Greg Delight, that's for sure. But his performance outside the 50 has declined. 33 of 55 for the Rams, 60% success from outside of 50 yards. Only 5 of 14 for the Cowboys, 36%. That's a significant drop. So while the consistency of Greg has been missed, or at least was missed in that first year he was gone, I don't think we've really lost anything as far as the one thing that we really loved about Greg, and that was those 52 and 55-yard booming field goals. So I guess I'd say I would have liked to have Greg one more year, but I'm perfectly happy with Matt Gay at this point. Zerline, by the way, has been released by the Cowboys. So when you see these guys leaving, when you see the Rams opting to not retain these guys and letting them walk, now a lot of times it's strictly a salary cap decision, but but their track record on this is pretty good. They usually let the right guys walk. With free agency in full swing and actually kind of winding down and teams starting to look at the NFL draft, I thought this would be the perfect time to revisit our Who's Pumped, Who's Pissed, and Who's Perplexed segment. How are NFL fans feeling about their teams at this point? So which fans are pumped about where their team's at right now? Which fans are pissed? And which ones are just perplexed, confused as heck? about what's going on with their team. I'm going to start with which fan bases are pumped. Right off the top, I would say Cleveland Browns fans are pumped. I know they haven't been thrilled with Baker Mayfield. I know they think that team's been underperforming. Some experts were picking them to make a run at the Super Bowl last year, and it all fell apart. A very good team didn't amount to much, and Baker Mayfield seemed to get the brunt of that. And now they have Deshaun Watson. So fans don't care about contracts and such. They care about who's taking the snap. They got to be pumped about having Deshaun Watson on board. Another fan base that is pumped, well, they're always pumped regardless of which direction their team's going, but now they really have good reason to be pumped. Las Vegas Raiders fans. They bring in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones and a bunch of other guys too. This team could be really, really good. I'd be excited if I was a Raiders fan. Not completely sold on Derek Carr, but he could be good enough with a supporting cast. Chargers fans have to be pumped. 
all the guys they've brought in really stocking up on defense. They already have the very good young quarterback, Brandon Staley, in his second season coaching that team. Could be a good year for the Chargers in a tough division, though. Another team in that same division, the Denver Broncos. Mainly because of Russell Wilson, but also because of the addition of Randy Gregory. Team already had a good defense, have a couple good young receivers, and now Russell Wilson, who I think is slightly in decline, but he can still get it done. Broncos fans are certainly pumped. Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans are pumped for one reason and one reason only. Tom Brady's short retirement is over. And Jacksonville Jags fans are pumped. Now, again, fans don't really look at how much money some of these players are getting. The Jags clearly overpaid on a few of these contracts, but there's no doubt they brought in some talent. Zay Jones, Darius Williams, Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, trying to get it turned around. They had the money to spend, and they spent it. And as a fan, you got to like that, but... Hopefully we'll see some improvement on the field. Buffalo Bills fans are pumped. I mean, they were already one of the best rosters in the league. They had plenty of good things going on there in Buffalo. Could have very easily been in the Super Bowl against the Rams. And now they add Von Miller, Roger Saffold, and even Duke Johnson under the radar pickup that I really like. Bills just solidifying that roster, sending a message to their fans. Hey, we were good last year. But we expect to get to the Super Bowl, and we're doing everything we can to make that happen. Miami Dolphins have a little bit to be pumped about. Tyreek Hill coming on board. I think any fan base would be pumped just by that single addition. And another team that might be pumped, I'm not sure. The Indianapolis Colts adding Matt Ryan. I like Matt Ryan. I'm a big fan. Is Matt Ryan a great quarterback? Not really. I mean, he's a very good quarterback getting up there in years, but he might be good enough. This Colts team, very strong offensive line, decent defense, great running game. Carson Wentz wasn't the answer. Matt Ryan might be. A few teams I'm going to throw in the perplexed category. If I'm a fan of the Seahawks, I don't think I'm pissed. I mean, Russell Wilson... Kind of got the feeling he was going to move on. Bobby Wagner paying him too much money. So I'm not pissed. I mean, you can't hang on to these guys forever, but I'm a little perplexed, a little disappointed in the poor job the Seahawks have done setting this team up for continued success. I think it's going to be a big dip here. I don't know what they're going to do at quarterback. I don't think Seahawks fans do. Maybe it's Drew Locke. Maybe it's a draft pick. Colin Kaepernick, would they dare? I don't know. Confusing times in Seattle. And Green Bay Packer fans have to be perplexed. Aaron Rodgers signed up, got him locked down, and then almost immediately you lose Devontae Adams, his number one weapon. So kind of spinning your wheels in Green Bay, right? Pittsburgh Steelers fans, I'd be a little perplexed. All these teams looking for great quarterbacks. They bring in Mitch Trubisky, who could be the answer. I don't know. Maybe they have something there. But if I'm a Steeler fan, I don't see Mitch as the answer. 
I'd certainly be hopeful, but I'd also be a little concerned. I mean, keep in mind, the AFC North quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Mitch Trubisky. Atlanta Falcons fans have to be a little perplexed, losing their longtime quarterback, perhaps the greatest quarterback they've ever had, Matt Ryan. Where do they go from here? What's the future of the Atlanta Falcons? I don't know. (laughs) Your guess is as good as mine. I've heard Cam Newton's name thrown around. I think it's going to be a draft pick. So, can't be pissed if you're a Falcons fan because they're kind of a middling team as it is. So maybe time to rebuild. We'll have a better fix on the Falcons after the draft, I think. And Washington, bringing on Carson Wentz. Again, not grounds to be pissed. What did they have last year at quarterback? Now they have Carson Wentz, though, a guy that's played against them when he was with the Eagles. Never really played at the level that was expected. I think Wentz has a high bar, but so prone to mistakes. If I'm a Commander fan, I just want to fast forward a couple years down the road, and hopefully this team is in a position to really compete for a Super Bowl. You're in that NFC East. You're in the hunt immediately because of that defense, but do they have what it takes to make a playoff run if they do get in the playoffs? Probably not. I'm going to call out two fan bases that I think are probably pissed. I think the Chiefs fans are pissed letting Tyreek Hill go. Now, maybe they've already replaced him by signing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and they also have Hardman on the roster already, another very dynamic player. But I'm still a little pissed if I'm a Chiefs fan. Tyreek Hill, such a threat on that offense at all times, such a fun player to watch. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I'm kind of pissed that the Chiefs didn't find a way to make that work with Tyreek Hill. Now, there's one more fan base that apparently is pissed. Now, I didn't know this. I was invited to a Twitter space that had a bunch of Ram and Niner fans talking it up about the NFC West. And I'm telling you, those Niner fans were pissed. And what they're pissed about is the Niners still haven't figured out how to get rid of Jimmy G. They weren't big fans of him in the first place, and they just think his trade value has sunk at this point. Now some clearer minds were jumping in and saying, hey, it's because of his shoulder. It needs to heal before they trade him. And my opinion on this is he may have significant trade value later in the year if one of these real contenders loses a quarterback before the trading deadline. But nonetheless, I saw it for myself. Niner fans are pissed that Jimmy G is still on this roster. So that's all I got for this round of whose fan bases are pumped, whose are pissed, and whose are perplexed. We'll do this again after the draft for sure because that always gets fans riled up. No doubt that'll be a good one.
Well, we've brought our who's pumped, who's pissed, and who's perplexed segment back for the first time in a while. I'm also bringing back my fearsome four questions. Fearsome question number one. Who will be the starting right guard on opening day for the Rams? This is multiple choice. A, Bobby Evans. B, Coleman Shelton. C, a as yet unsigned free agent. D, none of the above. And that would imply Trevor Ankrum or maybe a draft pick. The answer is B, Coleman Shelton. I have a feeling the Rams really like Shelton and he's going to be their guy. Fearsome question number two, will the Rams draft a punter? Now, if you've been listening to this show over the last few weeks, there's been a couple times we've talked about a certain punter from San Diego State, and another guy from Georgia was brought up on one of our discussions. I don't think the Rams are going to draft a punter, though. And there's actually a good class of punters here, and I think Undrafted punters are going to be drooling over the opportunity to come into the Rams training camp and try to win that job. So I think the Rams pass on a punter in the draft and they'll have a couple of really good candidates, street free agents, undrafted free agents coming in to compete for that job. For some question number three, will Brandon Powell be in the mix at wide receiver? We know he's got the talent. He's really shined at returning punts. Robert Woods is gone. OBJ, who knows if he'll be on the ramps, and if he is, when he'll be back. Is Tutu Atwell an NFL wide receiver at all? Not sure. But I still don't think Brandon Powell's in the mix at wide receiver. The answer is no. It'll be Cup Robinson. Van Jefferson, Ben Skowronik, a little bit of Tutu Atwell, a little bit of Jacob Harris. Yeah, Brandon Howe may get on the field once in a while, get some snaps at wide receiver, but he's not going to be in this serious mix at that position. Fearsome question number four, who will start alongside Ernest Jones at inside linebacker? Another multiple choice. A, Troy Reader. Do the Rams bring him back? B. Trevin Howard. C. A rookie draft pick. D. Bobby Wagner. E. None of the above. I think it's going to be a rookie draft pick. Now, maybe not right away. Maybe not on day one. Maybe not in those first two or three weeks. But eventually, whoever the Rams drafted inside linebacker will be playing alongside Ernest Jones. I think Bobby Wagner is going to sign with someone else. I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping the Rams figure it out and get Bobby Wagner on board, but I'm betting on C, a rookie draft pick. Final answer. This segment's a little short, so I'm going to throw in one other thing. Not really a pet peeve, but my turn to go on a rant. Now, in round two, of the NCAA basketball playoffs, a lot was made of how the Arizona players behaved after knocking off TCU. Apparently, actually I saw a little video of it, they were kind of taunting the fans, the TCU cheering section, at the end of the game. 
it was pretty obvious and first appearance, kind of lacking in class, lacking in sportsmanship. That was the take by most. Now, I'm going to take an opposing view, and it's probably not going to be very popular, but this is how I see it. I've participated in plenty of sporting events and watched plenty of sporting events where players from one team and the fans supporting that team behave horribly. Just despicable behavior. And I've always felt that sportsmanship starts when you get up in the morning and ends when you go to bed at night. Sportsmanship does not begin at the final whistle when you're ready to start shaking hands. And what I have read is that that TCU cheering section was pretty rank during that game. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. But if what I read is true, I'm not going to blame Arizona if they didn't take the high road. Yeah, it would be nice if they took the high road. It would be very classy of them to take the high road. But I'm not taking a shot at them for choosing not to. Unless you were there to observe how that game went down and how that cheering section behaved during the game, and I wasn't, I'm not going to criticize those Arizona players. I'm going to say it would have been really cool if they just smiled and went over to the TCU players, shook their hands, and walked off the court. But that's easy for me to say I wasn't there. So just remember, if you want the opposing team to demonstrate great sportsmanship after the game, make sure you demonstrate great sportsmanship during the game. And that's all I'm going to say about that. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at laramsup.com. And please don't forget, subscribe and give us that five-star rating. We really appreciate it. And don't forget, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library, Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.